We're getting towards the end of our series in thinking about the questions that people have been asking you. Uh, And this week our question is, can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? Now, people have very fixed ideas about their uh, tea and coffee, don't they? Uh, Maybe your parents argue about whether it's okay to leave the tea bag in your cup while you drink it. Uh, I'm pretty passionate about not putting sugar in coffee because it ruins the espresso shot. Uh, Before lockdown, when people could come to our house uh, and I would make them a coffee, I used to ask, you don't have sugar, do you? And Mrs. Tyndall pointed out to me that actually asking the question like that was a little rude because I was implying that if they did have sugar, well, then they were doing the wrong thing. Which they are, of course, but, you know, hey, you do you. It's funny, isn't it, though, how we'll get worked up about things like how to take your tea and coffee, but when it comes to faith, we just increasingly aren't fussed about what other people think. Jesus is your thing? Hey, you do you, Mr. Tyndall, I guess. Now, now part of that is us just trying to be polite. Faith is a personal topic, and so we don't want to uh, upset one another. But also, there's probably a wariness about people who live out of faith in Jesus and talk about it. I mean, how can they be so sure that their faith is true? Can't there be other truths out there? I mean, people do drink their tea and coffee in different ways. So when it comes to Jesus, maybe there could be different truths about him too. Maybe he can be true for you, Mr. Tyndall, but not true for me. To answer this final question in our Just Cause Jesus series... We're going to have to first work out what truth really is. And then, of course, we'll have to think about who Jesus is, even if he's not your cup of tea. But first, here's our Bible reading for today. Pilate went back into the palace and called Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Does this question come from you? Or have others told you about me? Do you think I'm a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No. My kingdom does not belong here. Are you a king, then? You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. (sighs) And what is truth? This encounter between Jesus and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, it takes place shortly before Pilate hands Jesus over to the guards to be flogged and then crucified. Now Pilate is interrogating Jesus to see what all the fuss is about. And he's a little taken aback with the answers that Jesus gives. Jesus claims to be a king, a king of a kingdom not of this world. But of course, standing before Pilate, he looks like nothing more than just a troublesome peasant. 
But Jesus goes further. Uh, He says, The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. To which Pilate quickly scoffs back, What is truth? It's a good question, isn't it? What is truth? Now, Pilate asks it because he thinks that Jesus is dreaming. How can Jesus be on the side of truth in his claims to be a king when he is chained up before Pilate like a common criminal? Pilate simply disagrees with Jesus about his version of the truth. Now, I don't think Pilate minded if he offended Jesus by disagreeing with him and scoffing (laughs) what is truth. Pilate was not bothered if Jesus' deeply held beliefs felt true to him or not. Pilate was a ruler in the Roman Empire. He didn't have to worry about who he offended or not. But of course, that's not what we're supposed to think nowadays, is it? We have been raised to respect the beliefs of other people and to not challenge them. We live in a society with a plurality of viewpoints, where we rightly allow for and we respect people's freedom of thought and beliefs. But we often make the mistake of thinking that that respect means never challenging those beliefs. But there's actually a distinction between people and people's beliefs. We must always respect people, which Pilate clearly didn't do with Jesus. I mean, he did crucify him after all. But if we disagree with what someone believes and we challenge those beliefs, well, that's not necessarily disrespect. We can certainly uh, disagree in a disrespectful way, which we should never do. But attempting to persuade someone to examine and then reconsider their beliefs, well, that's actually a sign of respect. If I ask you in the classroom about your beliefs and about how those beliefs work, I'm actually treating you as an independent thinking person who has the ability to decide what you believe. That's a respectful way to treat you. I'm not just treating you as some mindless follower. And when you lovingly challenge me about my beliefs and you listen to my response, well, I'm not offended by that. I'm flattered because it means that you're showing me that same respect. But of course, what we believe about God, about Jesus, about spirituality, right and wrong, those things are also incredibly personal, aren't they? I know they are to me. We we hold on to our convictions pretty tightly because they're not just a set of ideas. They actually define who we are. They are our truth. And so this can make us unwilling to question people's personal beliefs. But we can be wrong about our identity as well, can't we? In fact, many of you might know that I'm adopted. Now, for as long as I can remember, I've known that I was adopted. Many of you actually met my adoptive parents, my mum and dad, on the chapel live stream last year. I've put links to those chapel videos in the show notes in case you're interested. Now, mum and dad told me from the get-go that I was adopted. So I've always known that to be true about myself. But I know other adopted people who didn't find out that they were adopted until they were adults, often well after their adoptive parents had passed away. Now, sadly, those people are forced to suddenly change their beliefs about their own identity and their history as they reinterpret this new data about themselves. You see, what they had personally believed to be true all their lives, what they had experienced to be true about themselves and their identity, well, it was not true. It's desperately sad. 
See, our identity and our religious beliefs can be very similar in this way. Both of them are personal. Both are grounded in the best evidence and experiences we have at the time. Both make claims on truth. But both can be proven to be false. Now, it's my personal belief that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he's my only hope in life or death. This belief shapes me deeply, and my investigation into the evidence for Jesus has been compelling, and my life experience supports it. But if my atheist friends are right, well, then my trust in Jesus is mistaken. However deeply I believe in Jesus, well, when I die, that's it. Jesus will not return. He will not call me back to life. The, the loving urgency with which I spoke about hell last week doesn't matter a lick. So that's the thing about truth. It doesn't matter how personally you believe it or not. If it's true, it's true. And if it's not, it's not. So when it comes to the question of whether Jesus can be true for me, but not true for you, the answer is simple. No. Either Jesus is true for all of us, or he's simply not true at all. So the question becomes a bit simpler then. What is the truth about Jesus? You see, part of the problem of saying that Jesus can be true for some and that other faiths or philosophies can be true for others is that, that that's actually not a very respectful idea at all. It suggests that the only universal truth is that all the faiths and philosophies of the world have different versions of truth, but they can all be true at the same time. Now, if you're a Buddhist or a Hindu or a member of any other faith, being told that you can't hold up your way of life as the only truth because no one has the only universal truth, well, that's actually not that respectful at all. And in fact, this is where the true for me but not true for you bit gets a bit pointy with Jesus. Because amongst other faiths, they each have mutually exclusive views about Jesus. That is, they can't all be true. The kicker is the resurrection of Jesus. Christians believe that this is an historical event that validates him as the risen son of God. Within Islam, the belief is that Jesus did not die, but that he was taken up into heaven. Within Judaism, the belief is that Jesus died and remains dead and buried. Now we can see here that there is major disagreement about who Jesus is and the events of his life. That is, there are three very different beliefs here with three very different outcomes. They can't all be different truths about Jesus. And so it's disrespectful then to claim that they are all true because it disrespects the logical integrity of each faith. And it also means we have to chuck historical inquiry out the door because if they can all be true, well, then the historical reality doesn't matter. But for Jesus himself, history and reality really mattered. And he made claims that were so exclusive that they can't be dovetailed with other faiths or philosophies. He famously said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not particularly inclusive. In fact, it's totally exclusive. A few weeks ago, when we thought about suffering, Jesus made that other bold announcement. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. See, these are not just the wise sayings of a guru that could be true for some but not true for others. 
They are statements that, if false, mean nothing to no one. But if true, they mean everything to everyone. I'm going to wrap up in a minute and explain this. But before that, I'm going to show you a short, a short scene from Titanic. Mr. Andrews, I saw the iceberg, and I see it in your eyes. Please tell me the truth. Yes, madam, please put it on this way. The ship will sink. You're certain? Yes. In an hour or so. All this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic. What? Please, tell only who you must. I don't want to be responsible for a panic. And get to a boat, quickly. Don't wait. You remember what I told you about the boat? Yes. I understand. Well, spoiler, it sinks. Uh, and it turns out that Kate Winslet's character, Rose, is just a dolled-up jewellery thief. But at this point in the film, most people don't know, or they simply don't want to believe, that the ship is going to sink. They're just carrying on enjoying themselves while the orchestra plays and food and drinks are served. But Rose knows, and the ship's designer, Mr Andrews, knows, but he says, please tell only who you must. I don't want to be responsible for a panic. But it can't be like that with Jesus and the claims that he makes. His message is far more urgent than a turn-of-the-century cruise ship slowly taking on water. Jesus is recorded doing outrageous things that only God himself could do. Walking on water, commanding the wind, feeding thousands, raising the dead, forgiving sin, saving us from suffering and hell. This is why I believe that Jesus can't just be one option amongst many. Either he's the only option, or he's no option at all. That's why in love, myself and the other Christian staff here at, the tra at Track share this message each and every week with you, lockdown or not. We mean no disrespect. And I love that you ask me hard-hitting questions about Christianity, like the ones that we've covered this term in chapel. I hope you'll keep asking me more. It's not disrespectful to ask the tough questions, and I'm always going to do my best to answer them. Because if Jesus is the truth, well, then I can't be like Mr. Andrews on the Titanic and keep the message of Jesus to myself and just hope to not cause a fuss. That would be more than disrespectful to say nothing. In fact, it would be evil. And Jesus doesn't give me that option. Some of his final words to his disciples were, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus claims to rule over heaven and earth. He presents himself not as one possible path to God, but as God himself. We may choose that Jesus is not our cup of tea, but he cannot just be one truth among many. He has not left us with that option.